there, single lady. I am so glad, as always, that you are here. And today, I am super excited. I'm excited for a couple reasons. One, I was sick for about five days in bed, just didn't feel like doing anything, but just laying around and not moving. <laughs> and so today, I'm feeling more like myself, and that makes me feel so happy. And also, I'm super, super excited because today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, and that is attachment styles. So you may have heard me mention on some of the other episodes about attachment styles. And so today, I'm going to give you an overview of those attachment styles. I get a lot of questions about these, and it's a really fascinating topic. And I think when you can kind of understand your own attachment style, it can give you an inside look into how you handle romantic relationships. And then there will be some lights that go off where you're like, ding, ding, ding. Oh, that's why I do that. So if you want to understand why it is that you act a certain way in a romantic relationship or when you are interested in someone, but you don't do that in any other area of your life, and you might even be thinking, there's something not quite right about that, then this episode is for you. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Single Over 30 Podcast with dating and relationship coach, Shanna Schutte. Shanna's here to help you find a trustworthy, marriage-minded man who will love and adore you. Here's Shanna. All right, so today what I'm going to do is, like I said, I'm going to give you an overview of four attachment styles. So psychologists actually say that when you enter into a relationship, that you're actually not who you always think you are. They say that we all kind of take on a persona or a role, so to speak, that you might not even be aware of. So you might feel like you totally have your act together in all your other areas of life, but for some reason, for example, in your work, you're one person and you feel confident and secure and okay, but when it comes to relationships, you feel that you become another person. You might even freak out. You might pull away from someone. You may be doing all these kinds of things. You're like, this isn't even like me. I'm not even sure what this is about. Believe me, I have done my share of freaking out and pulling away. So if you tend to have a lot of conflicts in your relationships, if you feel like you don't trust people, if you feel that you keep getting attached to men who are not emotionally available, or if you feel like you can't get the love that you want, it might have to do with your attachment style. You might even think that you want a relationship, but when someone moves close to you, you're uncomfortable with emotional or physical closeness, or you're uncomfortable putting a label on the relationship. Like it's easier to say this is a situationship than it is a relationship. Or maybe you cut guys off before they have a chance to get to know you. It might just be because of your attachment style. So before we dive into these four attachment styles, there are two important things that I really like you to keep in mind. Psychologists say that attachment styles are developed in childhood, but for the sake of time and simplicity, we're just going to talk about how you might be dealing with them inside of a dating relationship. So there's one attachment style that leads to productive dating and healthy dating and secure long-term relationships. And then there are three that hinder that. That said, you don't want to identify with one of these particular attachment styles and say, all right, that's just who I am and I can't change. And that means that I can't have a good relationship. There is research that shows that attachment styles are malleable, meaning that even if you identify with a particular style that you can 
learn how to relate in new ways in relationships. And I'm raising my hand here and saying, this is totally true. I am living proof of that. I was typically an anxious attachment style from when I was very, very young. And for a period in my life, I was also avoidant after a really bad breakup. But then when I met my husband, who is a secure attachment style, I had a safe place for my heart to land. So now I would define myself as secure as well. And I don't struggle with the fears that plagued me earlier in my life. So remember that even if you identify with one of these styles, that you can evolve and change and grow. So please don't cut yourself short and say, all right, love isn't for me because of this attachment style. All right, so we're going to jump into these four styles. We're going to take a look at each one, and what I'm going to do is also give you a dating scenario to show how that style may play out in a relationship. So the first attachment style is secure. So some people say there isn't a lot to say about this. Like, what do you have to say about someone who's secure? It just seems kind of boring, <laughs> but actually there's a lot to say. So when someone is secure, there are some things that they do. They aren't freaked out when the other person, the person that they're interested in, expresses some sort of insecurity or uncertainty about the relationship. So someone with a secure attachment style is going to react in a more emotionally steady way when there is uncertainty in a relationship than someone who is not secure. So someone with a secure attachment type doesn't worry if their partner is going to abandon them, and they don't worry if the other person thinks they're enough. They don't worry if they're going to screw up their relationship. They don't worry about saying the wrong thing. They're able to relax because they are secure, and because of that, they feel safe. So securely attached people generally have a positive view of themselves and others, and in general, they're emotionally attuned to themselves and others, and they are available emotionally. They assume the best of themselves and others, and they're comfortable, which is really awesome. They're comfortable with interdependency and independency, meaning that they can be in a relationship and they can feel great about themselves there, and they can be out of a relationship and feel great about themselves there. They're not worried about rejection or abandonment. They can ask their partner for what they need, and they are generally good at relational negotiation. And during conflicts, they tend not to blame the other person, but because they have a positive view of themselves and others, they can talk through the problem. Now, I'm not saying that they would be perfect at this, right? But in general, a secure person can do this. So according to researchers, about 50% of the population has a secure attachment style. So these types, they will get into relationships and they will stay there for the most part. So they're gonna settle down quickly with other emotionally secure people. But it can also work, as it was the case in my life, that a secure attachment style can connect with an anxious attachment style or an avoidant attachment style. And I've seen this with the women that I coach and be a positive change agent for that person who struggles in their attachment style by helping them also to develop more security. So this has happened with one of the women that I'm coaching who's looking at getting married. She was an avoidant attachment style. Another gal who's now in a serious relationship was an anxious attachment style, but they both got with guys who are securely attached. So secure attachment styles don't spend a lot of time in the dating pool. 
And that would make sense, right? Because they're emotionally ready for a relationship and can relax into love. So my husband, like I said, is a really good example of a secure attachment style. And when we were getting to know each other, I was more anxious and fearful about making a commitment. But as we got to know one another and he was steady and he was there for me, he did what he said he would do. He didn't show a wavering commitment to me. It made me feel more secure and more ready to commit. When I talked with him about some of my uncertainties or my insecurities or my fear of rejection, he didn't chastise me. He didn't get angry. He didn't pull away. He wasn't triggered. He just made me feel supported. And he asked me questions so that he could understand how I was feeling. So a good example of this is one day when I had been wrestling with the grief of not having kids and we were starting to get serious, I had just kind of on the fly one morning decided to call a counselor and talk with her about my grief. So at the end of the day, I went home and Clark called me to ask me, hey, what did you do today? And I said, hey, I went to see a counselor and shared with him what I had talked with her about. I expressed my concerns and my fears. And rather than being angry, or feel betrayed by me, or feel scared himself, he expressed support. And when I asked him what he thought, he said that he thought it was really super brave of me to go. And he said, hey, Shanna, if you need anything, like if you need me to be there to support you, I will go with you. Because he said, we're going to go through other things in life together, and I'm here for you. And he said, we're going to work it out no matter what happens. And just hearing those words made me feel so good and not anxious, right? I knew he was going to be there for me. So the next attachment style is avoidant. When someone is avoidant, it doesn't mean that they don't want any connection at all. But the thing is, is that they crave independence just a little bit more. And when you ask an avoidant what they need from you, they may tell you what they want you to do, not how they feel. They may go through their checklist. Well, I need you to, you know, take out the trash or pick up the laundry or whatever it is. An extreme avoidant would generally be uncomfortable with a lot of deep emotion, with talking about their feelings, because lots of times they may feel that that's weak and they feel like they can be overtaken by negative feelings. For example, if they cry, they feel like that's not a good thing because they feel out of control. So sometimes an avoidant can also be uncomfortable with physical touch because it makes them feel emotionally vulnerable and that is scary for them. So sometimes avoidance though, they will jump into romantic relationships with someone uh, with high intensity, but then as soon as the relationship settles and it settles into something that's committed and more secure, committed dating, or it could even be engagement or marriage, they might feel smothered and they may feel the need to break up or have an affair or push the other person away. So one of the negatives of being an avoidant is that when they were growing up, they may feel that their emotions weren't valued and they were taught that being efficient and being controlled is so much better, right? That emotions are a bad thing. Avoidance may tend to have long-term relationships with an anxious attachment style. What's really bad about this is that anxious and avoidance can get into this kind of negative or unproductive dating dance. So the avoidant moves toward the anxious and the anxious is thinking, great, this person's finally going to be there for me. And then the anxious person moves toward the avoidant and the avoidant moves away. And then as soon as the 
anxious backs up, the avoidant moves toward them, and then they just keep doing this dance back and forth and back and forth until finally the anxious person just gets frustrated and they pull away completely. I've heard of stories of couples who have been together for years and years and have had this dance going back and forth and they never make a commitment. Anxious types can be addicted to the highs and lows of a relationship. They don't think of it that way. They're not thinking, I'm addicted to this high and low. But the thing is, is that because an anxious avoidant relationship is like that, they can stay in a relationship a lot longer than they should because when someone tends to pull away from them, when the avoidant tends to move away, they feel these feelings of longing, feelings of wanting the other person, and they equate those emotions with love when really it's not love. It just means that their attachment system is being triggered. So like I said, this kind of dysfunctional relationship can go on for a long, long time between anxious and avoidance. Avoidance tend to have a negative view of other people and a positive view of themselves, or they see themselves as being better than others, and they see other people being below them. They may feel good in the initial kind of high of a relationship, in the infatuation stage of a relationship. However, like I said, when it starts to get serious or settle down, they may pull away. Avoidance tend to stay in the dating pool for a long time, according to research. So researchers say that avoidance compromise about 25% of the population. And some people say that inside of the single dating pool, that there is even a higher percentage of avoidance. During a conflict, an avoidant might use humor or deflect so that they don't have to engage in a serious conversation, or they may criticize you or blame you or do something to kind of upset the conversation so that that connectedness that you want doesn't happen. These are ways that they try to alleviate the discomfort that they feel with emotion. And also, they don't want to fix whatever it is that's going on sometimes because they're not comfortable. It's like if you have a conflict and you solve it, what that means is that you're going to get closer to the person, right? And that makes them feel uncomfortable. So instead, what they'll do is they'll pick a fight or like I said, they will deflect or they'll use humor or something to make it so that that thing that you're dealing with right then doesn't get solved. So Steve is a really good example of an avoidant attachment style. When he gets in a relationship, he's interested in a woman at the beginning uh, but when it comes to being able to make himself vulnerable, he's unable. He was previously married for several years, and his wife told him that he was like Spock, that he didn't have feelings. When his father passed away, he couldn't understand why his mom was still grieving after just two weeks, even though they had been married for like 50 years. When a friend tried to tell him, hey, why don't you just comfort your mom? Why don't you just hold her and let her cry? He couldn't even talk about it. Like he had to leave the conversation. He had to walk away because the thought of making himself emotionally vulnerable was just too much for him. So Frank, who's also an avoidant, often starts a relationship with a lot of excitement. So he moves toward a woman. So he moves toward a woman with intention. But as soon as she starts to reciprocate, he gets bored with her. He doesn't want to make himself emotionally available. He starts to pick her apart and find out all kinds of reasons why she doesn't measure up. So some people would describe him as being distant or having walls or not being able to have a deep emotional connection. He might use, like I said, sarcasm or humor 
summer to avoid talking about what's really going on. So the next type is the anxious type. So the anxious type are those who you might describe as needy or codependent or clingy or hopelessly romantic. They often feel like they need a relationship for validation or love or to make them whole. And they might slide into that dating pool for a short period of time and immediately find somebody to have a relationship with. Lots of time, these types don't waste time in the dating market. And one of the problems is, is that they see themselves as being less than. They always sort of feel like the person that they're dating is better than them in the sense that when there's conflict or something comes up, they're always wondering, what did I say wrong? What did I do wrong? They go to bed and all this stuff swirling in their head about how they should have handled the situation different. They doubt themselves and they doubt that they are worthy of love. They might even have a hard time understanding how someone would really want to be in a relationship with them. And they live with kind of just an overarching fear that the other person's going to leave them or that they're going to be abandoned. They tend to obsess about the relationship. And when a relationship starts, lots of times they will jump in with both feet and commit really quickly. When something happens in the relationship, let's say their partner pulls away for a period of time and he doesn't call when he said he would, then the anxious type, what they're going to do is they're going to go into a spin. This causes a trigger for that person. They're going to go into a spin imagining everything that's going wrong. They're going to start to think, oh my gosh, he's pulling away. He's rejecting me. He's abandoning me, right? They just go to the worst possible place. They overthink things, which is really super painful. <laughs> I've totally been there. The anxious type can be in danger of falling for men who come on really strong, maybe like the avoidant or love bombers, really charming guys. So lots of empathetic types tend to fall into this anxious attachment style category. During conflict, the anxious attachment style, like I mentioned, wants to move toward their partner. They have a hard time if there's not closure. They want to fix whatever's wrong. They just can't be settled if there are knots in the relationship. They have a hard time giving their partner space. They don't feel secure. When I was younger, I remember there was a guy that I was seeing and he had gone away for the weekend and he told me, Shanna, don't call me. I know that at that time he was starting to think, I don't know about this. I'd gone through a really, really bad breakup and I was really, really wounded and felt super insecure and rejectable. And I remember this guy was dating. He went away for the weekend. He said, Shanna, don't call Call me while I'm gone because I think he was trying to clear his head, but I just couldn't stand it. <laughs> I called him anyway, and then he came back, and he was really upset at me that I did that, and I couldn't understand because I'm just thinking, I just want to talk to you, but he came back after the weekend, and he broke up with me. So I had a hard time allowing him to sort all of that out on his own because I had to move toward him, right? I wasn't comfortable with that space between us. Sometimes anxious types can end up smothering their partner or making their partner feel like they're responsible for all of their emotional needs. Researchers say that about 20% of the population is made up of this anxious attachment style and 20% of the dating pool is anxious. But this number honestly seems sort of low to me, given the women that I coach. And now there's one type left. It's the anxious avoidant. So the anxious avoidant is a combination of, ta-da, avoidant and anxious. <laughs> 
pretty hard to figure out, right? So that's 5%. So these people have kind of a disorganized attachment style. So sometimes they might be avoidant. Sometimes they might be anxious. This type also tends to bounce in and out of the dating pool. They can crave intimacy, but then when they're in a relationship with someone, they may feel like pushing that person away. And it can be really, really painful to have your emotions go back and forth like that. All right. I hope this has been helpful to you in helping you identify your attachment style. And again, just as I close, I want to encourage you, please don't overly identify with this so much that you start beating yourself up right? Love is possible for you. And again, like I mentioned at the beginning, these attachment styles are malleable. In the upcoming episode, I will give you some tips on how to deal with your attachment style. And as we close here at the end, remember that the dream that you have to love and be loved is possible. And remember to keep it sunny. See you next time. Keep it sunny, Baby